Jesus. Lord, we thank you. We give you the glory. Come on, lift up the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on and give him the praise. Hallelujah. 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 Praise him like he's been good to you. Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, 
and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Now, the next several verses, many know what transpired and Abraham prepared Isaac to be sacrificed. And, but then in verse 12, just before he made the sacrifice, it said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thine only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram, offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is seen to this day, the mouth of the Lord, it shall be seen. In the mouth of the Lord it shall be seen. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven a second time, and he said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee. Say that. In blessing I'll bless thee. And in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. Isn't that true? Amen. And in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned unto his young men, and they rose up and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham's dwelt at Beersheba. On Sunday, we talked about God's inner circle. And we talked about how that Peter and James and John were able to see the transfiguration of Christ. They were able to see Moses and they were able to see Elijah. And tonight I want to continue, but I want to talk about something completely different, but part of being God's inner circle. Part of being God's inner circle. You're invited to God's inner circle. Amen. Pastor Parks, would you lead us in prayer? Lord, we thank you for your many blessings, O oh God. Lord, we thank you, O oh God, that you are God who changes not. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever, and you remain faithful. O oh God, to each and every ear that hears your word tonight, honor their sacrifice. Show us, O oh Lord, through your word how we can be drawn nearer and closer to you. You said if you be lifted up, you draw all men to you. Lord, according to your word, O oh God, let each and every one of us answer that call. Lord, anoint the pastor, O oh God, in our ears to hear your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Give God praise. Amen. In Jesus' name, it is good to be in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. God is no respecter of persons. Amen. And uh, you are invited to the circle of God we've been talking about if you want to come. Who, of all people, though, is keeping you out of coming to God's inner circle? Who, who, who is able to prevent you and to hinder you from coming to that place in God that 
you desire, that God desires for you to be? Who is the number one enemy that prevents and hinders us from coming into that place? And I see a few people. Christian, give us the answer. It's me. It's me. It's ourself. Yeah. It's ourself. God's no respecter of person, but we keep ourselves out of that place. Peter and James and John made that climb. They were praying men. They were close to Christ. They were passionate people. They loved God. They sacrificed. They lived a life of consecration, perhaps beyond what any of us could ever know or understand. But they also had something else. They also had something else that allowed them, that God was able to trust them to come into that place so close to Him that they would see such an intimate moment with Christ that no one else got to see that transfiguration. Not only were they praying men, were they fasting men, were they passionate people, and did they love God, but they had something else, something that allowed them entrance into the Holy of Holies, something that allowed them into God's inner circle. And I'm, I want to start with this. God has to be able to trust you. God has to be able to trust you. He had deep trust for Peter, James, and John when he allowed them that spiritually intimate moment of transfiguration. Trust in life. Trust in life is easy, easy to gain, but a lot easier to lose. And then once you've lost it, it's a lot harder to get it back. Think about Judas for a moment. Jesus was close to Judas, but Judas couldn't be trusted. He wasn't invited to this transformation moment. And uh, he served Jesus. He was close to Jesus. If we read, he was, if, if we really study up on it, he was one of the closest to Jesus, but he wasn't invited to this transformation. He he loved Jesus, he said, and, and I'm sure he did for a season. He was on the team, and if you look, he was Judas was trusted with earthly things. He was trusted with money. It wasn't the other things that he could be trusted with. He didn't get to see Jesus' glorification. He didn't get to see the transfiguration of Christ. He didn't see Jesus talking to Moses and Elijah, the representatives of the law and of the prophets. But if we look at this and we look throughout Scripture, the patriarchs of faith, those that were part of that inner circle of Christ, we look throughout, they had something deeper than what many others that served Him had in order to see these spiritual and be a part of these very spiritual moments. They had to have faith, but they also had to have loyalty. Can I get an amen? amen? They had to pray, but they also had to have purity. Holiness was required, but they also had to have morality with holiness. Indeed, prayer was part of their life, but so was ethical behavior. And they had to have a walk with God, but in this walk with God, they had to have it in a place that not only could they trust God, but God could trust them. Can God trust you tonight? Can God trust you with his holiest moments? Can God trust you with his deepest spiritual places? 
And they, they had these things. Trust is the first thing I want to talk about. Abraham, known as the father of faith, trust in God in that opening setting of Scripture tonight was demonstrated when he was willing to sacrifice his only son Isaac. It showed profound obedience and faith, but it showed trust. And because of this, God blessed him in blessing. And Abraham was invited to the circle, circle of God. In another place in Scripture, God visited him in his tent. And we know in blessing, verse 17, I will bless thee, the Lord said. And in multiplying, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed, now think about that today, shall possess the gate of his enemies. Thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. Abraham, God trusted Abraham. And because of that, God gave Abraham so much. And not only that, Joseph, if we look at it, despite being sold into slavery, unjustly imprisoned, Joseph maintained his, his confidence, God's confidence in him, God's trust in him. And he eventually became a very powerful figure, second in charge in all of Egypt. But God had to trust Joseph to the degree that he was going to put him in some difficult places. He trusted him enough that he knew he would not fail him when he placed him in these very difficult places. These difficult places were a path that would ultimately lead to his position that God ordained. But God had to put him through some things, and through those things, God had to trust him. Does God trust us to make it through some of the difficult things in life that have been placed on us and that we're going to have to proceed through. Does God trust us? And I believe he does. But in that, are we going to maintain that trust? If you think about Joseph, Genesis 39, it came to pass after these things that his master's wife, Potiphar's wife. Now, Potiphar trusted Joseph with everything he had. And he put him in charge of his household. He, he trusted him. Not only God did God trust Joseph, Potiphar did but his wife, in verse 7, cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, lie with me. You see how there's some things more than just the spiritual things that we do. More than praying prayers and praying through the Holy Ghost, and we need those things, and we got to do those things. But there's some things in our character that are paramount in order for us, to, for God to trust us with the deep things and the deep places in him and in his spirit. It says that God, God positioned Joseph. And, and Sister Duval, he, he put him in a place that he could trust him in Potiphar's house, which was part of the path to where he was going in position. But God trusted him that when he placed him in this position in Potiphar's house, that Joseph would not be the one to fail when placed in a situation that many, many others would have failed. Can I get an amen? It's God, could God trust you where God trusted Joseph? Behold, she, she, want, she cast her eyes upon Joseph. She wanted to lie with him, but he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not 
what is with me in thy house? I'm not going to break that trust. No matter what, I'm not going to let the God trusted me to be here. My master trusted me to be here. And I am not going to break that. That's what Joseph's saying. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee. Because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. Day by day, Joseph lived by a code, an unfailing trust to God, but also to others. Internally, he followed what would become one of the future Ten Commandments, Exodus 20 and 17. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Potiphar could trust Joseph with everything that he had. Hallelujah. Can I get a witness? Amen. Not only could God trust these men as he trust, trusted Abraham and as he trusted Joseph, but to come into that inner circle, we have to, if we don't, hopefully we have it, but if we don't have it, we have to develop character. Character is so important in a child of God's life. Because the one thing that, the one way you will lose your witness in this world is to have failing character. Character, if we look at Daniel, for example, he displayed unwavering character by refusing to compromise his beliefs in the face of persecution. As we look at Daniel and the lion's den, in Daniel 6 and 4, then the presidents, the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. Daniel had so much favor, and they couldn't get anything on him. So they, they couldn't find fault in him. They couldn't find a misstep in him. They, they, couldn't, they couldn't find him messing up, Brother Duvall, because he walked and lived upright. And, and, and they couldn't find that. So then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against Daniel except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So we know they wrote laws. They got laws approved that, uh, that Daniel would go against Daniel's faith. And that's the one area that they couldn't, uh, that they couldn't, that's the only area they could find fault in Daniel. Sadly, there are people in your life that are looking at your witness today. They're looking at your walk today. And they're looking for a fault. They're looking for one area that you will fail. And they are tempting you day by day. God trusts you like he trusted Joseph. He allows you in certain places and in certain positions day by day, week by week, year by year, that he, he surrounds you with people and he trusts you. Because 
He is calling you to his inner circle. He's calling you to a place to be so close to him. But your character is much richer than gold. If you look at Ruth and her loyalty and her character, it's evident by her dedication to Naomi. Ruth chapter 1 verse 16, and Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee. Her husband's gone. She's got no reason to follow this. Uh, her mother-in-law, she could go about her way, go back to her people. And what does she say? Entreat me to not leave thee or to return from following thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people. Thy God, my God. And where thou diest, I will die. And there I will be buried. Character. Character. <coughs> Character is not, like I said, it's not something you automatically have. It's something that you develop. The longer you live for God, the more character you develop. I hate to say it, sometimes the more times you fall flat on your face and have to get back up again, the more you develop character. I'm not going to do that. Doesn't it feel awful when you fail God? Anybody, you don't have to raise your hand. Anybody ever fail God and then you, you had to pray that repentant prayer? That is, it, it, it's a good cleansing prayer, but it's miserable when God is just tugging on your heart drawing you to the altar because you know, you know why. Right, right. And, and so he, he pulls you to that place. He draws you to that place because he loves you. But man, those, those repentant prayers sometimes are tough because you have to admit, I failed. I messed up. And, uh, it, it, and so, so character is something we have to have. Character is something that Ruth had. Character is something that Daniel definitely yes. had an overdose of. People that have character, some of the things that they don't do, they don't tear someone else's character to build their own or to get what they want. They don't tear someone else's character to get what they want. They, I, I've seen in life, we'll go to, to jobs I've worked at various times, and it seems like the gossip when it's going on, there's always one common denominator. They're always somewhere around it, in it, involved in it, uh, many things like that. They're, they're just, there's a common denominator. Can I get a witness? Can I get an amen? You go to your job place right now. You think about it. If you hear a rumor or if you hear gossip or gossip's going on, if if your manager is calling some people in because of gossip, I don't know that that happens in your job place, but let's just say it is. And, and somebody comes in there and they feel bad about the gossip that's going on and they confess their gossip to their regional manager. And these people often, they confess their gossip and then as they confess their gossip, there's always one person in that. And then it can be a completely different person that comes into the office next time. But there's going to be this one common denominator often that's always in the middle of it. That's why character has no place for gossip. It's one of the easiest ways probably to draw someone away from their character. But it's one of those things, the people you work around, your family, the people you love, they're watching your character. 
You can't allow yourself to get involved in gossip. Whether it's workplace gossip, whether it's school gossip, whether it's church gossip, whatever, you cannot allow yourself to get to be that character. You can't be that denominator that's always involved in whatever rumor is going on right now. I'm not saying you're spread, you're always denominated. I don't want to be that denominator. I don't want to always be in the mix. I want to be out of the mix. I want to be in, in order to be in God's mix, you've got to be out of that mix. In order to come to the inner circle of God, you've got to disinvolve yourself from those kinds of things. Those things that assassinate your character and draw judgment to the negative things of you. You've got to live far above that. Daniel, if you think about it, would have never, I don't think Daniel would have ever gotten caught in gossip. Right. Right. I'm not saying I wouldn't. I'm saying Daniel never would have gotten caught in gossip. Amen? People that have godly character, they don't backbite. They don't backbite. Honorable people live by honorable rules. I believe it's Exodus that tells us, and I know what this means, honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. So we should honor our father and mother, correct? But we should really be about honoring other people in positions in life, respect and honor, and people that are in places of authority in our life, people that are mothers and fathers to us, elders. The Bible speaks one time about elders. We should honor our elders. We should respect our elders. We should teach our children the importance of respecting their elders in the house of God. I think I said it on Sunday at school. Can I get an amen, Sister Banks? And respecting these children these days should be taught and and learn that. It's very important. And then moral and ethical living. Moral and ethical living. The Good Samaritan in the parable exemplifies moral integrity and compassion. Showing the importance of helping others. And that should be part of our character. The desire to help. Irrespective of who they are. Where they come from where they live, what they do, what church they go to, any of those things, we should have the compassion. And, 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 and I commend, we, we had a, a situation this week, and, uh, it, and, and some people just came to the forefront and just automatically uh, helped in that situation. And I appreciate that. And that, that's that compassion, that's showing importance to helping others. And, and if, if we look, at Nehemiah in the scripture. His leadership in rebuilding the walls that Jesus, or the Jerusalem's walls, demonstrated integrity and ethical decision making. If we look into Proverbs 10 and 9, he that walketh uprightly walketh surely. Talking about character, trust, our attitudes, who we are tonight. Not just, not just how much we, and we should shout. Don't take me wrong on that. Not how much we run the aisles and we should run the aisles. Not how much we dance before the Lord and we should dance before the Lord. But does our character match our worship? 
Does our character match our praise? Does our character prove we are who we are? That's very important in this hour. And Proverbs 10, 9, He that walketh uprightly walketh surely. He'd say that with me. He that walketh uprightly walketh surely. He that perverteth his ways shall be known. Proverbs 11 and 3, the integrity of the upright shall guide them. That's that word I think I'm looking for. Integrity. We've got to have integrity as the people of God in 2023. But the perverseness of transgressors shall destroy them. We should have integrity. We should have trust. We should have character. And we should have purity. Purity. Purity isn't something that is cherished as much in this generation as it has been in generations before. But when we read, when we read earlier about Joseph, his character was pure. He, he, his character was not going to be critiqued and criticized. He, wasn't, he was not going to fall for that trap. And as Potiphar's wife was trying to lure him, and trying to attract him. His, his pure. Not only could Potiphar trust him. Not only could God trust him. Putting him in that position. But his, his own personal purity. Would not allow him. To be ensnared. In that trap. Amen. It would have been easy for him to have failed. It would have been easy for him to have failed. Repented gotten forgiven, moved forward, right? But that trust that was broken at that moment is a trust that could have probably never been rebuilt again. We read about his purity. We need that purity. Joseph's refusal to succumb to temptation exemplifies his personal purity for God's standards. That's what we've got to have. That's what we've got to have in this hour. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. David, now David messed up. He made a mistake. He committed adultery. He had the husband killed. But then when confronted by the prophet Nathan, somebody grab your Bible. I need to bring my Bible. It's in my office still. Psalms 51. Brother Parks, find Psalms 51. Now, now, as he's reading the psalm, I want you to realize, and I want you to think about this. He has messed up. He has made a terrible mistake. He has sinned before God. And he has committed, he's broken commandments. And now he has been confronted. And it... Sometimes people want to keep stuff hid and keep it covered up, but Nathan confronts David, and then I want you to look at the beautiful prayer that David prays. Psalm 51. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly, 
from wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desired truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop. Can I say this? Right when he gets to this part, I want you to think about this. God is not looking for David to pray a three-hour prayer. God is not looking for David to do anything. God is looking for one thing. David could have prayed a prayer that had nothing to do with repentance. And I don't believe God was interested in hearing what he had to say at that moment. But because David said what God wanted to hear at that moment, that God had mercy on David. Right. Right. David's character was enough to recognize his wrongs, admit them, right. lay them before an altar, and ask God to cleanse him and to forgive him and to set him free from that. Notice what he says right there, that next part. Purge me. Purge me. With hyssop. And I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. David knew that he needed one to wash him. He needed one to cleanse him. He needed one to purge him. And the only one that could do that was God. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. I remember when I first received the Holy Ghost. I, I just had the, the, the Holy Ghost was such a treasure for me. And, and, I just was praying and I felt at that moment as I was praying and I thought at that moment, this is so wonderful. This is what I've been searching for all of my life. This is, I, I had went church to church. I had went place to place and I was certain, I didn't know what I was searching for, but when God filled me with the Holy Ghost and I was born again of water and spirit, I was baptized in Jesus name. I was cleansed. I, I was renewed. I was filled with the Holy Ghost. And, and then the one thought that I would have in my prayer, though, is that, God, I don't ever want you to take this away from me. I don't ever want to have to live without this. I, I need his presence. I need his spirit. And that's what David said right there. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Go ahead, Brother Parks. 
Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. So the one thing that he would have lost in his transgression, in his failing of his character, in his moral impurity, in his loss of purity, the one thing that he would have wanted more than anything is for God to restore him. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Sometimes when you get to going through life, you can lose, you can forget, you can get so traumatized by just life going on that you lose the joy of your salvation. Go ahead. And uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. See, David, I know he's king. I know he's not a priest. But here he is. He's getting to the place in his prayer. I, I believe that he, he probably feels, because he said, he said from his heart what God's wanting to hear. And when he says what God's wanting to hear, all of a sudden he starts to feel that restoration. Now, after he feels that restoration, it's natural for someone with a, a past in ministry, even though they failed, they know what they're called to do. Right. And, and this calling is, is without repentance, but it says then, now he's, he doesn't say before, but he says, then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Go ahead, brother. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifice of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifice of righteousness. With burnt offering and whole burnt offering, then shalt thou offer bullocks upon thine altar. God wasn't looking at David's sacrifice. He wasn't looking at what he would build or what he could do or what he could become. God was looking at a broken and a contrite heart. God was searching for a broken spirit. God was looking for a man that he had trusted, a man that he had, that had character before, a man that had lost all respect now at this point. And God was looking for a man like that to simply repent. He wasn't looking for a three-hour prayer. He was looking for what is this 19 verses of Psalms 51 as David began to talk to him and began to say what God needed to hear which was true repentance 
for his major failings, for his character flaws, for his uh, failing of his character, his integrity, and his purity. And now God was able to restore him. Can I get an amen? amen? Can I get an amen? Now, now, as God is searching for these things, and as God is looking for these things in us, I want us to realize the importance of serving God, but having and maintaining integrity. Having integrity in the community, having integrity on your job, having integrity in your church. Yeah. It's very important to God. We, we can be spiritual and we have to be spiritual, but we will be no more spiritual than our character allows us. Good. We will be Good. no more spiritual than God can trust us. And, and we need that. God needs that. And we need that in this hour. Our actions should align with God's will. Yeah. Our actions should align with God's will. And then we need to look at the fact that as we're going through this life, we need to build our character. We're not, none of us are there yet, but we're trying to get there. And we need to build our character day by day. Fundamentally, we need to build on character and on our morals and on our ethics and our purity. I used to not like that word ethics. Somebody would talk to me about ethics, and I was like, well, I didn't find the word ethics in the Bible. But ethics is throughout the Bible, because ethics is how we should act in a biblical manner toward others. Ethics is what we find in the Ten Commandments when it says, thou shalt not cover, covet thy neighbor's stuff. There's ethics right there, and we've got to develop character. We've got to develop integrity, and we've got to develop ethics in this hour. And ultimately, it boils down to this, the power of our choice yeah. each and every day. The choices that we make either bring us closer to the inner circle of God or take us further away from the inner circle of God. Amen. The importance our daily decisions will shape our spiritual journey. Our daily decisions will shape our spiritual journey to go deep to go to the deep places of God that we desire to go to the anointed places to have that double portion anointing we've got to make sure that our character runs deep our character is going to be the measurement of how deep you go in God and how far you go in God Create in me, O oh God, a clean heart. Can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? Can we stand tonight? God, build our character. Create in us a clean heart. Renew in us a right spirit. God, we know that we were shaped in iniquity. Many of us, the world, taught us our standards. God, society infused our character into us but since we've come to you God we're trying to build upon each and everything that you're taking us through and to let us have character like Joseph had character when he was tempted by Potiphar's wife 
God, he had ethics. Let us have ethics that go beyond. Let us have trust. Let us have loyalty in this hour that goes beyond what society and the world has ever taught us, God. And let us trust in you and you be able to trust in us. Hallelujah. Could you say that? God, I want to, I trust you. I want you to trust me. I trust you. I want you to be able to trust me in this hour. Oh, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Would you take a moment and talk to the Lord? The altar is open if you want to reach out to the Lord for a few minutes. Hallelujah. If you want to touch God for just a few minutes, if you want to pray, God, strengthen my character in this society I live in. God, renew me in this world I live in. God, teach me ethics in unethical society. Help us to live above what the world has taught us and look into the word of God and draw closer and closer to you. Hallelujah. Let's reach out to the Lord. The altar is open. You can make an altar right there at your pew if you choose. But would you reach out to the Lord? God, do a work in
trust that God and Potiphar had in Joseph. That God and Potiphar could trust Joseph with everything that he had. I want to have I want to have what Daniel had. I want to have that character that when everyone else is looking around trying to find my faults, that the only fault they can find is the fault in my faith. The fact I'm not going to bow. The fact that the only thing they're going to catch me on is if they change the laws and it affects my, my faith. Hallelujah. Oh, can we lift our hands one time tonight before we go and just worship the Lord? I love you. I love you. I love you, Lord, today. God, I give you praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, praise your wonderful name, Jesus. I exalt you. I praise you.
Sister Lonnie and Brother George had their child the other day. That's our first baptism from our 930 service last week. And then they had their baby continue to pray for their child. And I believe still in the hospital. Not sure. Yes, still in the yes, hospital. Yeah. Still in the hospital. Okay. Continue to pray as, uh, as God just heals and ministers. Praise God. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you tonight for what you're doing in our lives, in the life of the church. God, at 1301 Pipkin Road, Lord, miracle signs and wonders, fresh fire, double portion anointing, growth, God, for your kingdom. Oh, we thank you for it. We praise you for it. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Step out tonight, give, and shake hands. It's early. Greet each other in Jesus' name.
Yeah, it's it's yeah. So Albany would be like four. 